0: Make sure I'm sharing. (laughs) All right, uh, can everyone see my screen? You should see a green picture with a trust, fear, and the games for psychological safety
1: yes thank you very much excellent
0: okay um so um uh, sherry is going to help me manage the uh, chat so if there is any question for me she will somehow (laughs) find a way to get it but i will not be looking at the chat as i'm doing presentation however there will be a few activities that um, i will ask you to respond in the chat and that's where i will be paying more attention to that okay And with that, um, you should have a pen, you should have um, something to write on and the phone because your first activity is going to be answering to a couple of questions. Um, And the purpose of this session is really to help you see what are some of the uh, things that might be stopping your team from achieving um, their highest potential and what can you do to help them to overcome those fears and those challenges. And the first thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to go to this uh, site that's called www.menti.com. And once you get there, enter the code 81590. So go ahead and do that. And the first question that you will see there will be asking you to um, share where you're joining us from. So go ahead and respond to that first question.
1: All right, welcome.
0: Fantastic. We have a small but very international group. That's amazing. Very nice. Welcome, everybody. I'm going to move this to the second question, and um, you'll be able to answer it on your screen. And the second question is, what do you think becomes possible with psychological safety? Please go ahead and answer that question. Excellent! Excellent! Lots of great responses. As you know, you, as you can see from these responses, uh, you already know a lot about psychological safety. So this presentation is going to add um, a little bit more to what you already know, and introduce some of the tools you can try with your team to even um, increase psychological safety for them. And in this workshop, we'll start um, with first. Understanding and aligning on the impact of psychological safety in organization. Uh, We will look at how our brain operates in the presence of fear. We'll look at some of the symptoms um, of fear that you might be already experiencing around you and how to help yourself and others to find those symptoms. We will um, look at two retrospective games to try with your teams, and we will also run one library structures experiment, and that's where you will need your pen and paper to participate. With that, just a little bit about me. Um, I've been in the um, IT industry for about 20 years. I started um, as the software developer and the DBA manager, and as you would imagine, um, in the very traditional organization, being on the technology side, I experienced a lot of fear. I also triggered <laughs> a lot of fears in others when I became a new manager, not knowing how to manage the teams. And then when I finally uh, discovered Agile and started my journey um, as a Scrum Master and Agile Coach, it was a lot of unlearning how to work with people and learning how to work in a different way. And somewhere along the way, uh, the um, line, um, I discovered uh, psychological safety as a concept and um, really changed uh, my way of um, interacting with people, but also it brought uh, attention to the impact of fear on people. And um, I started being more aware of that, and even at some point called myself fear anthropologist because (laughs) I was really looking at um, the impact, different symptoms, and that's what all came together in the game that we will be uh, looking at today. Um, So one of the... um, people who influenced me a lot is um, Amy Edmondson and um, Amy Edmondson is the um, Harvard Business School professor who coined the term psychological safety back in 1999 and I'm going to share her definition of psychological safety with you now. So as you can see it's all about being able to speak your mind without being um, afraid for uh, speaking that mind and um, without being afraid of being punished or embarrassed or laughed at. If you haven't read her book, um, organization, I would definitely encourage you to read it because it has lots of interesting case studies and information about how psychological safety impacts organization at large and also what leadership can do to help create that culture of psychological safety. And what's interesting is that um, while Amy Edmondson started talking about it back in 1999, it's um, only in 2014 when uh, psychological safety really took a stage and uh, had all the spotlight because guess what? Google ran their Project Aristotle study and what they discovered while trying to search for what is that um, that contributes to Um, a group of people becoming a high-performing team, they discovered many things. But the number one thing that they discovered was psychological safety. And that's how um, attention was brought in the technology and our community um, that psychological safety is something we should be really paying attention to. What's interesting is that seven years later, we are in 2020, but um, the interest in psychological safety did not go away. As a matter of fact, in 2019, State of DevOps report highlighted psychological safety again. And now putting attention to the fact that it's not only for the teams, but it's for the entire organization that the culture of psychological safety is helping organization to be more um, productive, um, experience better um, organizational culture, but also seeing uh, much better organizational performance. Another great book to read, The Unicorn Project. Um, that's a book that came out recently. And again, that's the book that puts um, attention on psychological safety as something that's very important. And um, it needs to be there for the team to be high performing. And also puts attention to it has to be there because um, solving problem requires that absence of fear. So it's not just psychological safety, but the flip side of it is that absence of fear. And um, if you think about fear, how might it be related to work? So what's interesting is that um, us as um, people who show up at work and us as people who um, live our lives, we're not different. We are the same person. We are one person and we are um, controlled by the same brain. And so the response to fear, um, the way how our brain responds to it, is really what influences our behavior in the real life as well as in our work life. And um, just to show you a very simplified um, diagram of how our brain um, works, we have different parts of the brain that are responsible for things like decision-making, problem-solving, motivation, focus, creating and fighting with new memories. And also there's a part of our brain that's called amygdala. And so that's the part that's responsible for keeping us safe. So what's interesting about our brain is that um, each and every sensory stimuli that we receive, except for smell, goes through two parallel uh, paths. One path goes into our more sophisticated thinking brain, and the other path goes to amygdala. And amygdala has that ability to respond a couple of milliseconds faster than the rest of our brain. And so anytime when it determines that uh, something is unsafe, that's the response that we're getting. This is something that's called amygdala hijack, which means that only amygdala is the active part of the brain at that moment, and the rest of our brain is shut off. So guess what? When your entire organization is experiencing that amygdala hijack, that innovation is not something that you can find, right? And so that's one of the things that people say, that don't expect innovation from people affected by amygdala hijack. And again, it's interesting that uh, that response is triggered not just by physical danger, but also by psychological danger. So how can we find uh, or see those um, responses uh, more clearly? So I'm going to share um, a few with you. And um, a couple of them are fight or freeze responses and the way how they show up at work The fight response is something that, you know, some people call brilliant jerks, which means that you are working with a team and you may have someone in the team who is um, very defensive, very domineering, and um, his opinion is the only one that matters. So even if he's very brilliant and the best um, specialist in the world, his behavior is affecting how the team works together. And so as a result, the team is not going to be very productive or the relationship in the team will not be very healthy. The other response that is triggered by amygdala is the freeze response. And in the work, it shows up as disengagement. So what's interesting is that according to a state of American workplace survey call-up, 70% of U.S. workers are not engaged at work. So imagine how little we can accomplish if um, this is the level of engagement that we experience today. And the other response is flight response. Again. We've seen that happen as well. As the culture becomes toxic, the best people are the quickest to leave if they're disengaged or if they're working in that uh, toxic environment. Another interesting thing is that um, just like um, amygdala takes over the flow of sensory stimuli in our brain, the same way fear affects the information flow in our organizations. So this is a diagram I created based on um, information from Ron Westrom, who uh, created three, class, uh, uh, created classification of organizational culture. And he defined three different types of organizational culture. One being the fear-ridden or pathological culture. So what happens is um, when something doesn't go well in this type of culture, the way how organization responds is with shooting the messenger So if the news is bad, then it's that person's fault. Another response is by suppressing the news and not letting that information spread to other parts of organization. The other type of culture is called bureaucratic culture. So in that culture, if the bad uh, event happens, then um, it's going to be addressed, but it's going to be addressed just on the local scale. So kind of addressing the problem, but not letting the information spread for the organization because... Um, this type of organization is known for what's called impression management. So they're trying to save the face, or they're managing the public relationship, minimizing the information. And it's only in the culture that's called generative culture. this is where if something bad happens, then the response is to understand what was that in the system that caused people to respond that way. So it's that truly genuine inquiry into how can we um, do things differently? What do we need to change things in the system uh, to learn from this experience and never find ourselves in the same situation? So that's inquiry and the global fix sharing information with others so others can learn from the same experience and avoid it in the future. That's where generative culture is really essential for any kind of experimentation or learning. So anything where you're introducing something new, that's where you would um, be more successful in the generative culture. Because if you introduce agile, DevOps, or any kind of change in organization and you're dealing with the pathological or bureaucratic, it may only trigger more fear. So is that, uh, you might be thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just fine. My organization is awesome and great. Good for you. But I'm going to run this small experiment. I'm going to um, show you five symptoms of fear. And then I'm going to ask you a question. And that's where you would need to respond on chat to that question. So let's go through the symptoms. So first one is risk avoidance. That's where you're always taking the most, um, the, the uh, solution that has the least risk and safest solution in any situation. Success theater, that's uh, something where, um, let's say you have a, a project that's really not going so well, but you're um, reporting up the chain that the um, project status is green. So that's your success theater. Another example is conflict avoidance. Another symptom is gossip and rumors. And this one is blaming and finger pointing. And here was a question. You can mute yourself, that would be one. Thank you. So the question is, how many of these symptoms have you observed in organizations through your career? And it could be a current organization or any organization in the past, so just between one and five, or between zero and five, if you're lucky and you didn't have any. (laughs) So that's, um, go ahead and respond to that question in the chat. And what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to take the screen back to the... um, It's not that I was trying to do... Yep, so I'm going to do this. All right, so let's see. All right, so I don't know if you've seen the responses so far, but we are anywhere from one lucky person who has two, and most of everybody is around five and four. So, which is not surprising. Um, Every time I run this um, type of um, question, this type of call, that's pretty much the response I'm getting. So these symptoms are really widespread and um, recognizing them in your organization or your team is helpful because you know that this is something that people are experiencing and now you are able to actually work with them to help them overcome these symptoms of fear. And... That's where you're making a choice. Do you want to go back to pathological culture and um, see more fear around you? Or do you want to try something to help you get more towards generative culture and more learning? Um, I'm going to share with with you a tool that I created um, based on my own experience being in a culture of fear. And um, that's uh, what you're seeing right here. This is the um, minimum play- playable version of the game, which I used in uh, the first time I ran uh, the Fear focused retrospective. And um, in this specific in- instance, um, we actually had to run a retrospective uh, where uh, a manager was present, which is not typical for retrospectives, because we usually like to have manager out um, of that conversation. and. Focus retrospective on what's going on with the team. But in this specific instance, we actually had a problem with the manager. So it's that relationship and the dynamic between the new manager coming in um, from a different part of organization, um, also being remote. So the manager was the only one who was in a different office and the team was all collocated in another office. And so all that dynamic wasn't really healthy. And so there were a lot of fears that that situation triggered so the way how we approached this um, retrospective um, for that specific day we actually had manager coming on site so everyone was collocated in the room and we asked um, a different facilitator to to run this game for us because you know if i was facilitating it i wouldn't be able to speak what i want to speak about this team but i was also part of the team So what we did is that um, everyone got um, a set of cards with different fears and symptoms of fears, and um, everyone was able to select five that they observe in our team. And that observe um, state was really something that was giving us a little bit more of um, safety in our responses because we didn't have to say, this is the fear I'm experiencing. It was more like, I'm observing the is happening in the team, so it was a little bit more liberating for people to be able to respond from that standpoint. So once we selected those five uh, fears, we um, gave them face down to facilitator. She shuffled them all, so no one knew who gave what responses, and even facilitator didn't know what responses were provided by whom in the team. And then. As she shuffled them all, she started putting them out on the table. And so every time the same fear would come up, she would just sort it and put it all together. And so that's the image that we got once she was done putting the fears on the table. And so it was really powerful because they could have done it as just simple dot voting. But again, with dot voting, you would see who is voting and what. But with this, when you see that the same depletion of emotional energy comes out five times for a six-people team, you know this is the thing you want to talk about first. So that was our way of prioritizing what to talk about. And it was not an easy retrospective to run. Definitely we had to, first of all, have a lot of preparation to make sure that manager is open to giving this a try, that the team is open to give it a try. So I had to do a lot of prep work ahead of time. But once we were in the room and we went through this retrospective, it really changed dynamic in the team. And uh, another thing that we did, we actually had some empty cards for people to write things in. And so if you uh, see um, here on the very top, the empty card that um, actually manager wrote things in. And her fear was fear of unhappy team, which was something that truly eye-opening to us because what we didn't realize is that all those um, actions that she uh, took or all those things that she did Um, We were perceiving them totally differently from the way how she intended because she was trying to um, follow up up with us on multiple channels. She was trying to, what we perceived, micromanage us. But what what she was trying to do in the only way she knew how, she was trying to stay connected with us and know where she can help. Again, through this retrospective, we discovered that that was one of the things that were happening. And many other things came up. And so we were able to actually change the way how our team was behaving and um, introduce some of the new practices for this team. Specifically, introduce a stand-up with the manager. And because she is in one location, we are in another location. By having that daily stand-up, where even she was reporting on what she's working on and where she's blocked, that actually helped a lot in reducing that tension, reducing fears, and really making a more open relationship in the team. So that was my first experience, and then since then I tried running this team, uh, this um, game, in many places. And so this uh, some pictures from this different uh, settings where I run the game, and every time um, when people experience it, that's very similar to what you see in here, which is a quote from one of the participants, that's the response they they get is that um, through the game, they're able to make those um, negative feelings or anxiety external, and now it's fear that is in front of us um, when we're able to deal with it rather than it's between us and we have to struggle alone to deal with those fears so it's really that externalizing and making it a little bit fun because you know as you're laughing it's hard to fear when you're laughing from the true truth from your heart so playing a game together and having open conversation definitely helps people to start building that psychological safety okay and uh, another thing that um i created as part of that um was this um, another set that's called safety in workplace because um as we were playing with the fears and having conversation what we realized is that great it's like going to a doctor and discovering that you have you know specific um you know disease that you need to treat but not knowing how to treat it right and so safety in workplace was that answer to Okay, now we now we know we have these problems. So, what are some of the options we have to help us resolve those problems? What can we bring in from the different level of organization, from the different level of um experience? What can we do to help us address those fears in the workplace? And um this is a collection of different practices. Some of them are coming from my own experience working with teams. Others, especially at the leadership level, um, coming from the book that I mentioned earlier, Various Organizations by Emma Edmondson. So again, the book that you can uh, get and read lots of um, very inspiring stories. Uh, another interesting model I wanted to share um, that influenced um, my work in that space, um, something that's called SCARF model. And the SCARF model is um, a collection of five social domains that um, are activating the same uh, threat and reward responses in our brain that we rely for physical survival. So the model was created by David Rock, and um, these are the five domains that that model has. So uh, SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. The uh, first time around this this uh, webinar and I showed this model, people asked me, like Dana, so what does it have to do with teams? Okay, it's a nice acronym, but what does it mean? Why is it relevant? And so I wanted to share another example with you, which um, kind of helps you to see a little bit what, what's important about this. So think about a webinar or, or think about... A team meeting that's virtual and imagine that you're joining in and you're just one person with the camera and everybody else has those black screens and just like tiny pictures or maybe not even a picture it's just a black screen so what domains do you think are going to be affected for you as a person being on that call and being just one person with the camera and not knowing who behind all that black screens Give me some um, typing in the chat, like, which ones do you think would be affected? Relatedness, fairness. hmm 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 Yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, maybe even some of these, right? Because if I'm on the call, first of all, I can't relate to anybody because I don't see anyone's pictures. It's also uncertainty because I don't know, are people there? Are they listening? Are they just um, joined the call and now they're making dinner? So that all that is something that's triggering that threat response in me as a person being on the call. Also, maybe even status because I don't know, are people taking me seriously or are they just um, listening and laughing at me behind that mute button and uh, no camera? So that's, again, when we're joining the call that are some of the things that are um, triggering that response in us that we probably don't want to have on the uh, meeting, right? Because if we want to collaborate with the team, then this is not the response that we want to get. And... um on the opposite if you're joining in and you have you know, everyone's faces and people are smiling you can read the body language that's same domains now are triggering reward response in you and so how many times you join in the call and it feels like you are in the same room because you're able to communicate with everybody people are laughing people are smiling so that's um, again an example there knowing uh, these domains is helpful to um, build the interaction with your team and sometimes um, remind people that, hey, you need to turn on the cameras or do some other things. So what's interesting, though, is that um, specifically to the camera example, there might be people who are not comfortable to be on the camera. I've had um, developers in the past who um, told me that, Dana, I feel stupid when I'm on the camera. Right? So then for those people being on the camera, again, it may trigger that status response in a negative way. And that's where, um as a coach or a scrum master working with that team, it's helpful to understand different perspectives and helpful to build something like team working agreements. How do we want to be as a team? and so if that's camera turning co- camera on is something that we want to do, and someone who is feeling uncomfortable can we come up with something that's in between solution for the team? And one of the examples from that specific team, they said when you're joining, you can put on filters, so you can put some, you know, funny, um, you know, like um, ears or the glasses, add some, you know, funny things on top of your picture. So we are almost like making ourselves silly to start from. And so then it's level playing field for everybody. So it's like everyone looks stupid on the camera. Everyone looks funny on the camera. So that's kind of the way we found to overcome that uh, discomfort that one person had. So, again, keeping those uh, social domains in mind is helpful for you to help a team be more um, open and build that psychological safety. And I'm going to show a couple of um, examples of the different practices that are there on the cards that are specifically helpful in addressing those social domains. So if you think about um, how can you um, mitigate um, the threat response within the status, um, some of the practices that I there, um, is there um, is, you know, asking and providing candid feedback. So making sure that the way how you're um, giving that feedback is actually something that's well-received and open and um, welcomed and, um, you know, speaking candidly about bigger threats. So that's another thing where um, if in your organization there is um, culture where um, anything that's Potential problem, but not a problem yet. And you can't talk about that. Um, you don't feel like you're able to speak about that. That's actually, um, again, affecting organizational ability to respond to those threats. But also it's affecting your um, you know, way to um, think about yourself as an um, individual who has, um, you know, the right status in organization. And status, it doesn't mean um, a place in an organizational ladder. It might be just, you know, feeling that, you know, people respect my opinion and they think I'm smart or they think that my uh, ideas are are valuable. So that is also something that's considered status in that that context. Um, Some of the other practices that are helpful in um, building certainty, um, and you'll notice that um, there are different images on these cards. So um, the one that has um, just little person with the um, safety um, circle, that's individual. And we have team practices and we also have leadership practices and that's where um some of those um, things you can do they are um more in your control if they are meant for the individual level like for example um, to increase certainty what you can do within your team you can bring up uncertainty or, or interdependence which means that you know when you're let's say looking at your or uh, you know spring backlog and you've seen some stories that have um, not enough information or um, there are some dependencies with other teams so um, you can bring that up to help increase certainty within the team about being able to deliver on those stories and uh, some of the other examples from um, the leadership um, standpoint on this or uh, something that's called frame silence as unethical choice, which is, um, again, building that culture that uh, people are encouraged to speak up, and um, then by not speaking up, um, they're doing something unethical in this organization. So that's, again, something that's definitely driven by leaders rather than um, you know, just the individuals or the team, but this is something that uh, is helpful in increasing certainty um, in the organization. Uh, Some of the other examples um, in terms of autonomy, so uh, thinking about uh, giving people a way to um, express their opinion uh, or their ideas um, through um, open space, through um, building in specific meeting structures that encourages that participation and um, providing some techniques for um, helping people connect in a different way and brainstorm together in a more effective way. And I'm going to show um, a couple of examples. So uh, open space is something that's very big in agile space, but also when you bring it to your own organization, this is something that could be very powerful. Another structure that's um, helpful is um, drawing out those ideas from people and uh, allowing them to uh, input those ideas to the larger pool. Um, This is a practice that's called liberating structures. Um, And again, this is um, an example of 40 people um, interacting within that workshop. And so as you can see, everyone is involved, everyone is engaged. And so imagine this is your town hall or this is your uh, PI planning or large meeting where you need people to be um, involved and connect, connected around the same purpose. So if you think about you know, structuring your meetings that way, you're definitely going to get more people involved. And as they are contributing those ideas and they are, um, not only feeling more autonomous because they are in charge of which group they can become part of and what topic to um, explore and where to contribute, they also feel um, more um, um, confident, uh, confident in terms of status and certainty and all those things because they involve their participating. Uh, in terms of relatedness, um, writing, uh, running the frequent retrospective, um, uh, introducing practices um, in terms of um, checking in at the beginning of the meetings, um, getting into the habit of speaking about feelings, because fear is just one of the feelings, right? But there are many others, and we definitely want to encourage teams to have more time um, where they're able to express all those feelings, um, positive, negatives, but the point is, is really being open with each other. I'm going to share another three tools that um, I find uh, very useful in helping teams to start learning about how to talk about fears. Uh, one of them is very simple, called Happiness Histogram, and I'm sure many of you have used it before, where you're just asking the teams to rate how happy they feel about the last sprint or a specific event or specific um, and release so you give them a question and then asking them to rate their happiness on the scale from zero to five and then arrange it in this histogram so immediately you see what is the general feel in the team and if you have any outliers someone is a little bit more unhappy and then someone is a little bit um, less um, so then um, you can have a conversation with the team what what is it you're observing that might make someone feel that way Uh, Feelings cards are great because you can just pull those um, faces and uh, show how you feel um, about specific things. And story cubes are my favorite because story cubes give you um, these little images that um, can help people connect with uh, the way how they feel and so sometimes even if it's difficult for them to express or put it to words um, picking the image that makes them think about that specific situation is helpful and it's also making it a little bit more fun because you can actually roll those cubes and then pick the image and one of the teams i was working with um, we had um, a developer from japan who is um, a wonderful developer, very brilliant, um, but his English wasn't so strong. So every time we had a retrospective, it was difficult for him to participate. So with Story Cubes, um, we discovered that it's making it easy for him to express what he's thinking because he can just pick an image and show to us how he feels about specific situation or um, specific story that we're about to take or maybe how the um, sprint went. And so we knew if he picks fire, we definitely need to talk about it. something is not going right because, you know, this is the image that, you know, he picked. So that's uh, some of the tools that you can use creating um, team norms, simple rules. Again, as I mentioned, this is something that's helpful for teams to figure out how is it we're going to work together and um, putting them in uh, the team's words rather than yours as the coach or the the scrum master. It's helpful because those are the the rules for the team. It's their, their roles they have to come up with that you can't tell them how to be. It's something that you can help them discover. And so you see here like three different examples. The one on the right, uh, I was facilitating this workshop for LGbt plus group and i have to, i had to literally before putting it into this slide, I had to check uh, the urban dictionary, what are they saying because these are not my words i don 't understand half of them, <laughs> but for them, it was important and so um they actually say amazing things like um you know don't yak my yam means that um if i'm um If I like something, then be respectful about what I like and don't um, try to put me in a situation where you're actually saying something bad about what I like. So that's, um, I think it's great. It's just the way they say it is more, um, it's not clear to me, but I'm not part of the team. Whereas for them, this is something that's in their words and something that they resonate with. Uh, And then when you run frequent retrospectives, it's um, really nice to actually check in with those rules so you can show the team not only that um, whatever they said as the rules was important to them back then, but you're actually helping them to check in and see, first of all, how are they doing uh, on those things that they said are important, and also are they still relevant? Is there something else we want to add uh, to make sure that we are able to work together better? And again, it goes a long way to help the team to have that um, psychological safety in the team because they're seeing that this has being taken seriously. And so if something that's not working in the team, we can always come together and talk about it and figure things out. And the last one is fairness. And this is where um, creating um, team norms, uh, creating things like um, anti-gossip rule um, by the leadership um, where they're actually saying that if you If we find anyone who is um, gossiping, we're going to take serious action. So creating that uh, kind of guardrails for people to um, know what's appropriate and what's not in this organization, it's helpful to know that everyone will be treated fair fair, and um, people will be responding in an appropriate way. And um, another interesting thing is measuring team health. Um, I'm just showing one example of the tool I used to create um, this survey for the team norms and team, team health and um, over time we actually modified it because we took it from um, something that's called a Spotify um, team health check or um, squad health check, and so we ad- adapted it to our own purposes and we added things like psychological safety to, to um, measure how people feel safe or not safe um, in our space. So again, that's something that's useful um, to help um, in that area. And this one I wanted to share as well because this is an example of um, using this go after the things that suck practice, which is um, from the leaders. Um, keeping that conversation open uh, in terms of what's not going well for uh, people on the ground. And so that's uh, one of the um, the flip charts that we made uh, before the town hall. And it was in the corridors. Everyone was able to add whatever they wanted to add. So it's anonymous. And um, during the town hall, a leader would pick up all those and then respond to all those um, questions that, he had time for, and for those that he didn't have time for, he would always follow up this, um, you know, Q and A afterwards. And what we found is that this method of uh, collecting those questions was much more effective than asking people to submit things through a specific system or enter them in the spreadsheet, because that was submitting an email, because that way that uh, anonymity is not there, and people are not always um, ready to ask some of those questions. Whereas with just anonymous post-its on the, on the flip chart in the wall in the corridor, that was something that was enabling them to ask questions. That some people were afraid to ask otherwise. And um, I want to show also um, the fear-focused retrospective, how it looks like um, today. Um, so basically what we do is start with um, selecting some of the fears or fear symptoms that we observe in the team and we are voting voting um, to select the um, top of fears. And then we look at the different uh, psychological safety tools available, um, and we always look at at the leadership level, team level, and individual level. So that way we have a variety of things to apply in a specific situation. And we just do uh, the lean coffee style conversation where there is eight minutes for um, every discussion. And then after eight minutes, we just check in with the team. Do we want to continue? Do we want to... um, you know, stop the discussion if anyone is um, uh, done with that specific conversation or um, not interested in um, having it further. But the purpose is really to go uh, through each of those fear or fear symptoms one by one and think about what is our fear eradication strategy. So what are some of the uh, tools we can bring in to make sure that we are um, going to address or at least minimize the impact of this fear? And so that's how we do it. And um, unfortunately, I don't have a virtual version of that um, game yet, working on that. But um, I wanted to make sure that we get something that you can do without having any tools, without uh, also having specific um, card decks or being in a virtual space. So I'm going to walk you through um, one of the liberal structures, which is um, specifically meant for having those conversations around fear. And this is where you're going to get to use your own pen or Sharpie, whatever writing utensils you have, and your own sheet of paper that you brought in. And this liberating structure is called drawing your monsters. And the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to take a minute. And on your sheet of paper, start writing a list of things that worry you the most in your workplace. And once you're done, I'll ask you to select four scariest, most alarming things. So I'm going to start the timer. Any questions what I'm asking you to do? Because this is where we go from the listening mode to Dana talking to, uh, hey, I actually need to do something. (laughs) So this is, hey, I actually need to do something part. So a list of things that worry you the most in your workshop. Just gonna check. Okay. I'm just going to check. I'm going to start the timer. And you have a minute. okay and the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is to flip your paper to the other side and divide it into four um, sections and in those four sections I'm going to ask you to draw four shapes the first shape is going to be circle or something that looks like a circle doesn't have to be perfect could be an oval The second shape is going to be a square or rectangular, something that has four corners. A third shape is going to be a spiky shape. It could be a star. It could be anything that has spikes. And the last shape is going to be some kind of squiggly line. and so you may end up having something like this maybe something else but these are four shapes so these shapes are the bodies of your monsters so now you're going to add fins Okay, and now I'm going to ask you to look at your list again and map your top four worries to your four monsters. And if you're curious how that might look like, I'm going to show you a few examples. I don't know if you can see it now showing you something. so this is what people draw in some of the exercises that I did this um, you know, people on site okay. so go ahead take another about 30 seconds so 30 seconds uh, map your top four worries to your four monsters Okay. So what we do next with these monsters, when we run it um, in person with the group, uh, we actually do something that's called Monsters Walk. And we ask people to take those um, sheets with the monster pictures and with the monster names and then just walk around, show those monsters to others. And also um, get to know the monsters, right? So just talk about them and then introduce them to each other. And then ask other people in the team for advice how to tackle your monster. And so that's a fun exercise that usually people love doing. And so these are some of the pictures from one of the times where we run it. And this is what you do with collocated team. So now what do you do with virtual team? I told you at the beginning of this that I'm going to show you something that you will be able to do with your virtual team as well. So we're going to experiment with a feature in Zoom that uh, is called um, Breakout Rooms. If you haven't tried that feature before, you're going to discover something that's going to totally change the way you work with your virtual teams. If you've tried it before, you're just going to love it again with this exercise. Um, So what we're going to do now, um, Cherie is going to help us um, get into the Breakout Rooms. What you will find is that you will find yourself with another person, one on one, in that room. So this is where I would highly encourage you to turn on your camera so you can actually see the other person's face. And so remember that um, mapping that we did at the beginning. You want to make sure that you all are um, you know interacting in the best possible way. So turn on your camera. You will end up in the breakout room. You will have four minutes to talk to the other person, introduce your monsters, and ask for advice. So think about two minutes per person. And at the end of four minutes, Cherie is going to push another message uh, from the um, main um, facilitator space and in the breakout rooms. You will see that invitation to get them out. Okay? All awesome. Any questions before we uh, go into breakout rooms?
1: all right i have everybody ready to go into breakout rooms and i'm going to send you it should automatically bring you there and then um we'll see you in a few minutes And do we have another participant? Yes, yeah. Okay. are you there? They might have stepped away, but mm. what we'll do is I will move their partner to another room. Okay. And so that way Matt is not by himself. Okay, I have him in another room. Excellent.
0: <clears throat> Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And how long do you want the timer on this? Um, so I asked some four minutes, so it's already three minutes and 14 seconds.
1: Okay. And there's yep. a
0: one minute close,
1: so I'll um, just let me know when your timer says to close. Um, okay.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. I love the monsters. And, you know, they're so um, fun and effective to run. It's just, it's amazing. And it's interesting that when people start, they feel apprehensive about riding their fears. But then when they go through the exercise, now the, the monsters are so cute and funny, they want to show it to others.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love yeah. That. And that's the magic, right? So you go from not being able to speak about that without apprehension to actually wanting to go and show the monsters and see if someone has a similar monster. So it's, it's it's a very powerful exercise.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's it's kind
1: of like the play therapy with kids, right? We yeah. take the fears and it's the monster that's afraid. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. helps to to open things up. Really awesome. I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the only downside of breakout rooms is when you're recording, you can't record what's in breakout rooms.
1: Right, unless you go into each breakout room. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Last time I ran this um, with a different group, uh, the person who was recording, she ended up being in the breakout rooms. And so when we were watching recording, we actually found that there was a recording of her interacting with the other participant in the breakout room, which was really cool.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Clicked on the wrong thing actually. Oh yeah, when it warns you you don't have to click, yeah, it just wants to click. Yes, yes, I've done that a million times. <laughs> when something popped up, you have to click it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we've got about 20 seconds and others will be um joining us back. that's time four seconds please. all right here comes everyone else. well welcome back everybody Welcome back um, if you could turn your microphones back to mute and then if you talk you can unmute yourself. Um, I know everybody's unmuted right now
0: <laughs> Okay and so uh, I'm very curious to hear how was it for you? And so, um, what I'd like you to do next is to uh, type respond in the chat, but don't send it yet because I want everyone to to send uh, at the same time so you're not affected by what other people are saying. So, um, we're pretty much at the end of um, what I wanted to share today. The only thing that's left is raffle, And um, I'd like you to think about this whole experience. Um, Thinking about the new things you learned, thinking about the exercise that you just did with the monsters, thinking about um, the whole experience of first staring at the uh, empty sheet and thinking what to write to actually participating in the breakout rooms and um, sharing with somebody else in that breakout room um, those monsters that you created uh, on the sheet of paper. So think about those things. And um, my question to you is, what surprised you the most? And I'm going to give you a minute. You can type in in the chat as much as you want, just do not hit send. Once the minute is up, I'll ask you to hit send, and that's when we'll be able to see what everyone has written, okay? So let's take another minute, and in the chat, please respond to what surprised you the most. Okay, and now go ahead and hit send. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I love the reflection that yes, similar problems across the world, very true. And labeling monsters and drawing is helpful. And for some people, it was not easy to ask um, and talk about this with the person you don't know. And yes, I first of all, I want to say that, guys, you were very brave because um, usually this exercise runs better when you are in the team of people that you know. And today we were all in this virtual space and you ended up in 99% of the time you ended up with a person you didn't know. But that's where um, it's kudos to you, but also kudos to this exercise that um, is um, for majority of you um, was helpful in um, being able to talk uh, about your fears and being able to get some advice on that. Okay, and I'm going to... Um, share a few other things. So, um, if you like, you know what I did today. Um, I'm offering a couple of uh, in-person workshops on the delivery structures, as well as on training from back of the room. And I know that many of you are not <laughs> anywhere near those places, so maybe one day I'll be in your area as well. Um, but I'm also running a lot of webinars, and um, I'm hoping to see more of you in the future. And um, one thing I wanted to share is that I'm also um, translating this game into uh, other languages. And so right now, um, English is the one that um, was created in. But now there is a French translation available. And I'm working with uh, people in Germany to translate it in German. So that's coming soon. If you're interested in helping translate it in your language, definitely reach out. I think there is definitely an opportunity to, to help people um, beyond English-speaking countries to talk freely about um uh, in workplace and the last thing that remains is the ruffle time so some of you asked where they can get a hold of those um, cards uh, so the links that you see in here um, this is the one for fear in workplace Another one is for safety in workplace so this is um, a site that's called Game Crafter that's where you can self-publish those uh, in order uh, and the ruffle, um, the winner is going to get both of those uh, card decks. I'm going to mail them um, to the winner. So you'll have the fear in workplace and safety in workplace. And the good news, we actually are going to have two winners. And they have, will determine who the winners are. Um, I'm going to give you a question. And uh, we will respond to that question on the chat. And the winners will be people with the correct response. And people who responded as number three and as number nine in those chats. Okay, so response has to be correct and it has to be number three or number nine in the chat. Ready? I'm going to give you a question now. According to Ron Western's classification of organizational culture, what is the name of the culture where an organizational learning is more likely to occur? Ah, OK, OK, very good. So all I can say is that um, even if you didn't win the um, set, you're still we able to learn a lot from this, and you know I'm happy to see generative coming up strongly in this chat because that's what I wanted you to remember from this as well. That this is the culture that will help organization to um, be more in the space of learning, experimenting, and psychological safety. So, um, sure we're going to look at the numbers after this, right? And then we'll reach out um, to the winners with um, questions as yes, to where to send um, the deck. Okay. Okay,
1: so Jessica Baer and oh I, I had your name spelled and I think spell check changed it. Imeline. Um you two are winners, so if you can chat me um, your um, address, just you don't want to chat to everyone, but just okay. chat me or chat Dana directly and give us your mailing address, then we will take care of that.
0: Fantastic. Congrats to the winners and congrats to everyone for being so brave and experimenting with uh, facing the fears and fighting the monsters. And with that, thank you very much. Um, these are some of the links uh, to um, things that inspired me in putting this um, and experimenting this fear and workplace. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you. <music>